0: Now, a flood is unpredictable and it's unmanageable. It's out of our control. And it is something that will just sweep everything away with it and it will do its damage. And this is the language that is given right here. And the Lord promises us as his people, and this is what we need to realize in this passage, that God has made some assurances, some agreements with his people, that when you are living for me in a situation where the enemy is coming in like a flood, and you have little control, and you have little power, then the Lord says, the Spirit of the Lord will Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us on our program today. Thank you for giving of your time that we may minister the Lord's Word to you today. And our message is from our pulpit, from our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. And the message is Isaiah chapter 59. We have a hymn by Al Smith, The Loveliness of Christ. And then we'll close with a a beautiful story of obedience. A Mr. Cecil denying his little girl that he might teach her this great lesson to trust in her heavenly Father. Firstly, let's just hear a few words from Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. Neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. So this is the desperate situation of these people, but God does not leave them to perish. We're told in verse 16, He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustained him. Stay tuned now as we have Al Smith singing The Loveliness
1: of Christ. Could we catch the glistening of the dew or snowflake Or the rainbow colors painted on the clouds Add to these the brightness of the stars and moonlight and the mantle white which mountain peaks and shroud, then if we could catch the glitter of each jewel from the earth or gathered from the briny sea blend them all together in one mighty prism Till the loveliness of Christ is more to me. Did you ever see a baby smile on waking, or behold the mother light in eyes of love? Something which no artist ever yet was able to portray unless inspired from above, yet my soul has seen a vision quite immortal, far beyond the power of human eyes to see. Something sweeter, grander, holier, and lasting Tis the loveliness of Jesus Christ to me He is altogether lovely He's the fairest of the fair and on Him alone through life I can depend. Oh, all language fails completely when I try to tell the world of the loveliness of Christ my Lord and
0: Verse 19 is our text today in Isaiah 59, verse 19. Famous words, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Last Monday morning I stood on the steps of the B.C. legislature in Victoria and I noticed a a media scrum going on. There was a whole crowd of media people there with their cameras and microphones in hand, and they were gathering around, and there was our premier, Christy Clark, and she was speaking to some of these reporters, and then there were other politicians, and they were uh, speaking as well. Of course, I had no idea what the announcements were. I, I just happed upon the situation, And uh, it was later that day that I discovered that they had made the announcement on the 15% tax on foreign buyers of property in Greater Vancouver. And, of course, that's been the big news all week. But also on Monday, there was transacted in the legislature uh, later in the day, so I'm not sure if the announcement pertained to this or not, but they made or passed uh, into third reading uh, that B.C. is going to have special laws protecting transgender people. And this now is putting uh, this into a special category, and it may well lead in days to come uh, to a gag order Uh, that we may not be able to speak on this as immoral, ungodly, and unbiblical. And so we are therefore greatly concerned, because remember, politicians reflect the mood of their constituents. They're always a little step behind where the people are at and they do the polls, and they listen to the feedback, and they want to bring in these things because, of course, they want to get re-elected. So they are reading the mood, the mindset of the people in our province, and therefore they are bringing this in to, to make sure that they are working on the agenda that's pleasing to their people. And that's what scares me. That's what really troubles me. Because if this is a reflection of the popular mood and thinking of British Columbians, then we are in a sorry, sorry state. And as I thought on that this week, this text of Scripture came to my mind. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And, of course, we might say, well, what's the use in even opposing this? What is the use in even crying out against us? Well, uh, here is God's answer uh, to those enemies of his church. And what a description this is, a flood. Now, a flood is unpredictable, and it's unmanageable. It's out of our control. And it is something that will just sweep everything away with it, and it will do its damage. And this is the language that is given right here. And the Lord promises us as his people, and this is what we need to realize in this passage, that God has made some assurances, some agreements with his people, that when you are living for me, in a situation where the enemy is coming in like a flood and you have little control and you have little power, then the Lord says, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against it. Now this, of course, is the God who delivered His people through the Red Sea and He can handle floods. He can handle water. And He led His people across the Jordan staying the water on one side. So we can have confidence that the God who makes this promise uh, knows what he's doing and is able to undertake. Now, this gives us then great hope. And we're not going to lose sight of the victory that we have in Christ. We're not going to lose sight of the gospel promises because we see that the degeneracy of the, the political trends and the... Moral situation within our land but rather we're going to do what God's people should always do and that is cry out to the Lord that he will in his mercy raise up a standard and turn people back again now this standard um, we have to find out what is this it's the language of course of uh, the the banner unfurled going forth before the army, and the army marches to the banner, and keep their eyes on that flag, and they march into battle with the confidence when that flag is flying that they are going forward in the right direction. That's why when the enemy comes, he always wants to take out the flag bearer. He's the first one to be taken out, and if that flag goes down, someone else will pick it up, and they'll put themselves in danger. But who... Is What is this standard that we have here? Well, let's read the next verse. And if you want to learn something about Hebrew parallelism, where you have two separate statements, but one is throwing light on the other. And it says, And the Redeemer shall come to Zion. And in our Bible, that Redeemer is in an uppercase R. And of course, we have a Redeemer. We have a Savior who is the Lord Jesus. And our confidence and our trust is in Him. Now, when you read carefully this chapter, you will find that there is, firstly, a confession of sin, an acknowledgement of iniquity and failure to God, but also there is a lament that there is no man to help. If you go back to verse 15, you will see uh, the confession, Yea, truth faileth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And that may well describe our day and political trends. No judgment. Righteousness falling in the streets. And then the lament in verse 16. And he saw that there was no man. No one to help. No one to deliver. And then it goes on to say, Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. And then verse 17, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate, uh, and an helmet of salvation upon his head, and he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing, and clad with zeal as a cloak. And you can see now that the, the help of this Redeemer is given, and there is A huge problem, sin is abounding, and there's no man to help. And then there's the promise of a Redeemer. Now, we face a a terrible enemy today, and he has come in like a flood. Now, this enemy is Satan. We've got to realize that the immorality and the wickedness, that the agenda that's going on around us, is Satan driven. Because I want, you to, I want to point out to you at the end of verse 19 that the Lord will lift up a standard against him. There's a person behind the evil. There's a person behind the wickedness. And it is Satan. He's at work. We've got to realize we're in a spiritual battle. This is not just about educating men and women and Uh, certainly that's where the battle rages, we know. There is a battle for the minds and the hearts of the rising generation to fill them with the the immoral or amoral agenda uh, that there is no right or wrong and that you can do what you will and that's, you know, whatever pleases you, you can do it. Uh, And that's the agenda that is put forward. Now, the Bible tells me in the book of Revelation, and I want to read these three verses. Revelation 12:15. The serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. Now, this is not literal language. It's not literal water here. And the woman is the church. And here is the enemy, Satan. The serpent is named here. That he cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. That's the agenda of the wicked one, to destroy the church. And the church of the Lord Jesus is under attack, and the gospel is being undermined, and it's being made hugely difficult to proclaim the gospel. And this flood is repeated there in Revelation 12 a number of times. So what shall we do? Well, we need to go back to this great promise of the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard and grant us a Redeemer who will go before and deliver His people and continue to bless His church. And so today, the message is this from God's Word, rally round the standard who is Christ. Rally round the Redeemer, who has put on as a cloak righteousness. Now that's the opposite to the sinful, wicked agenda of the world. Christ has put on righteousness. You'll notice also in this text, He is clothed with zeal. So do not think that the Lord is dead. Do not think that He is disinterested. But rather there is in the heart of the Lord a zeal for His church, a zeal for his people, and a zeal to bring glory to his own name. And so we need to rally around the standard. Now we do this, we take Christ as the standard for our faith. Our faith is what we trust in. Our faith is what we put our confidence in. And we put our hope in the Lord. That's why I read Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And if we're not doing that, we're going to lose the battle. If we have not got our hearts, minds, souls looking fixed upon the victory of the Lord Jesus, we are not going to stand in the midst of the battle. We need faith in Christ as the author and the finisher of our faith. We come, therefore, to worship today in the rest of the gospel. It would be easy to become perplexed and despondent. It would be easy to think that there is no victory ever again for the church. And I have to ask the question, will we ever see morality raised up again in this nation as it once was? I don't know if I will ever live to see it, but God has given us a promise that he will redeem. He's the author and he's the finisher. And we've got to look by faith and cling to him to trust in his work as our redeemer. We need faith in Christ's work that he has done upon the cross. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, never lose sight of the cross. It is the tonic for our faith. It is the focus of our trusting. And of course, it is our boast. As a sacrifice, when the Lord Jesus suffered on that cross, he conquered. He was the victor. Now, Isaiah writing here in Isaiah 59 was promising to Israel, to God's people. And of course, God by His Spirit was moving Isaiah to promise or write these things. This Redeemer is our Lord Jesus. And He is come. This promise has been fulfilled. This prophecy has been realized in the incarnation, the life, the death of the Lord Jesus. And we who now live on this end of the scale 2,000 years after the cross must keep our eyes focused, fixed on the Lord Jesus. Why was he there on that cross? For us. To conquer sin. To reconcile us to God. To offer an atonement that would bring us into fellowship with God. That's our comfort and that never changes that will never cease.
1: We may sound the depths of all the mighty ocean We may tell the distance to the farthest star But the mighty love of God cannot be measured Its dimensions are so high So deep, so far This love is mine I cannot comprehend it This love revealed in Christ My Lord divine When on the tree for me, God's wondrous, glorious, mighty love, this love is mine. See it in the beauty of a flower, and I feel it in my heart since Jesus touched me and redeemed me by His wonder working power. And someday. I'll thank Him face to face in glory When with all the millions at His feet I fall And through countless ages there I'll live rejoicing Sing forever at the wonder of it all This love is mine I cannot comprehend it This love revealed In Christ my Lord divine When on the tree He died for me God wondrous Glorious, mighty love, this love is
0: mine. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher. Thank you for joining with us here. On our program here today. The message was on Isaiah 59. I trust it has been a blessing to your heart today. Now we'll bring to you a little message here on the subject of obedience. Obedience for the Christian is something that we do by faith, not always because we see the end from the beginning or the full benefit Appears to our eye and understanding. There are times when the Christian will obey God because we know that he is all-wise and therefore he will do best. He is all-good and will never do us wrong. A Mr. Cecil one day went into a room where his little girl was bright-eyed and happy as could be. "'somebody had given her a box of beautiful beads. "'The little girl ran to her papa immediately "'to show this little gift. "'They are very beautiful, my child,' he said. "'But now, my dear, throw them into the fire.' "'The little girl looked for a moment. "'It was a great trial. "'Now I shall not compel you to do it. "'I leave it to you. "'But you never knew, papa, to ask you to do a thing.' That was not kind to you. I cannot tell you why, but if you can trust me, do so. It cost a great effort, but the little child began, in her own way, to think, Father has always been kind to me. I suppose it is right. And she took the box with the, and with a great effort threw it into the fire. The father said no more for some time. The next day, however, he gave her something far more beautiful, which she had long desired. Now, said he, my child, I did this to teach you to trust in that great Father in heaven. Many a time in your life, he will require you to give up and avoid what you cannot see, the reasons for avoiding. But if you trust that Father... As you have trusted me, you will always find it best. What an amazing lesson for a little girl to learn from her father. And of course, in a sense, children ought to be learning that from their parents each and every day. That by obeying, there is great reward. And likewise with our Heavenly Father when we learn to obey and submit our all to Him, there is a blessing to be had. And He will trust us with so much. May God write these things upon your heart and make us each doers of His Word. To be like the man who built his house upon the rock, it was solid, fixed, and immovable. And when you do what the Lord bids you, You are building your life on
2: rock and not on sand. You have been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of this broadcast or would like to hear it again, you can go to ltbs.ca. You will also see ways you may support this gospel ministry. And you will find details about our church in Scarborough, where Pastor Larry Saunders is the minister, in Port Hope, where Reverend Reggie Cranston is the minister, in Berry, where Reverend Anthony DiDurno is the minister, and in Buffalo, where Reverend Philone is the minister. You will find all their details at ltbs.ca. If I can be of personal help, I would love to open the Bible to talk and pray one-to-one with you so that you may know you are saved and sure of it. Call me at 604-897-2040 or email me at ltbsradio at gmail.com. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, Until the same time next week on this station, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His loving
1: care.